welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. In this series that we've called Invasion Outflow, we've really got several goals in mind, but, but two of those goals have been, one, to kind of prepare to launch our, our small groups that we call home teams here at Day 3 uh, that are getting ready to, uh, to launch and to uh, hopefully you know, get your interest level uh, to where you'll sign up to be in a home team, and, uh, and also kind of to help you get ready to, to read through a book uh, called uh, Outflow, because that's what the topics that I've been covering, and I'll just kind of say more about that in a second. Um, one of the other goals we have is that when you start to hear about this new ministry outreach that we're calling Invasion Outflow at Day 3, that you will volunteer whenever you hear about the events, that you will sign up to go and help do some, some ministry, some outreach, some life touches in, into others. Don't think because we have announced we have a Caldwell team and a Catawba team, that that means, oh, those people will take care of it because that's not the reason they're there. They're there to help plan the stuff. We want everyone to be involved in, in doing these outreach events as, as they start. What I have done up to this point in the series, I have taken um, a daily reading in this devotional book called Outflow. I've taken a daily reading and turned it into a sermon. So for the last five weeks, what you would read in a day, I've kind of taken and expanded it out some and created a, a sermon out of it. Uh, that's not really been too difficult. The problem is next week, as you will be reading beyond what we've already talked about, and we only have four weeks left in this series, that means next week, instead of me taking one daily reading and turning into a sermon, it means I'm going to take five daily readings and turn into a sermon. So you need to pray for me, you know, trying to condense that down and kind of figure out how to, uh, how to put it together uh, to, to begin with. Um, I intentionally slowed things down by, by taking the last month to focus... On five Sundays, what you will be reading this week, if indeed you sign up for a home team. And I failed to mention this, if you cannot, if it's completely impossible because of your schedule to sign up for one of our home teams, and if you want to read through the book, Outflow, if you'll let us know, we can get you a copy of the book and have it available here. But those of you that are in a small group Bible study, what I have talked about for the last five weeks, you will read daily this week. And, uh, and then when, when you get together uh, next week, not this week, but next week, you will be discussing in your group the five things that I've talked about this week. What happens in your small group this week when you meet, as I mentioned in announcements, you'll get your book, you'll watch a video, have a little bit of fellowship time together, your leader kindly tell you what's expected and uh, how to read and things to do uh, in, in the book. As you read your daily readings, uh, you will see that there's, at the end of uh, every day, there's something called uh, getting your feet wet, and there's something called the reflection pool. Uh, 
And at the end of you reading every day, it's just kind of a series of, of questions or things to provoke your thoughts for you to reflect upon what you've read uh, that day. Uh, at the end of every week, as your small group gets together to discuss what you have read, there's also something at the end of every week's reading that's entitled The Deep End. And the deep end will be an activity, not just something you study, but it'll be like a hands-on activity that you may do as individuals, depending on what your small group tells you, or you may do as a small group, to where you actually go and do something hands-on to, to maybe help it sink into your mind and your heart what you have been uh, reading about. What I really feel led to do t- today is, is kind of review the highlights of the last five weeks because those of you in your small group are getting ready to read these things this week and I want it to really really sink in and I know some of it's going to be familiar and you might think well I've already heard that but you know what I've, I've learned over the the years I will hear things and then I might not hear it fully and it helps me to kind of uh, have repetition happen in my life to where it starts to sink in a, a little bit and, and I hear it a little bit clearer. So uh, that's what I hope maybe today will do for you. And if you've not signed up for a small group at the end of the service, I hope you'll go do that. Or at least tell us you want the book uh, to read as we get ready to launch some ministry and things called Outflow. First thing we're going to talk about today is the very first topic we, we dealt with uh, five weeks ago, and, and that is experience and outflow. Uh, we want you to understand that you can experience something in your life, God uh, filling your life up and you outflow. And the image that we have had before us is this fountain. Now, he'll bring a picture of it up in a moment. Uh, he helped out the first service because I forgot to tell him, hey, don't do that. So I'm asking them questions, get them a test, and they're looking at the screen giving me the answers. They had the cheat notes in front of them. So what I want you to do is think about what we've talked about so far. And in this fountain image that we've been having before us, that spout that the water comes out of, what's that a picture of? Not everybody at one time. God or the Holy Spirit. You know, filling our lives. First basin down. What's that first basin down represent? It represents our relationship with God. Him filling our lives up. And you see, our lives overflowing should be as natural as a fountain overflowing. Because that first basin, as soon as it fills up with water, it's going to overflow to the next basin. And that next basin down represents what? Friends and family. Your friends and family. And then the, the third basin down, after God's filling you up and you're overflowing into your friends and family, now it's you and your friends and family that's kind of overflowing. What does that represent, the next one down? Your community. Or your Samaria, so to speak. First one is your Jerusalem, your relationship with God, where you meet with God yourself. Next one down is your Judea, your family and friends. Third one down uh, represented Samaria, uh, you know, maybe even people that aren't like you. So what's left then? What's that last basin represent? The world the world. And God wants our lives to naturally flow like a fountain. It, we, we, I think we make it so hard and, and so strained many times when if we'll let God fill us like he desires to fill us, it will be as natural as a fountain flowing from one tier to the next tier, to, to the next basin for, for what God puts in us to start flowing out of us to bless others. To, to minister to others and, and, to, and to reach others. 
that thought goes along with, with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And uh, in there, Jesus said, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Let me stop off for a second, because I didn't say a lot about that, maybe anything about it, when we were on this Sunday a few weeks ago. But did you notice Jesus said, you will be my witnesses? It didn't say you might be. So, in light of that, I want you to think about this. Whether you like it or not, if you're a Christian, you're being a witness for him. You might not be a good one. But people are watching your life. And you are either a good witness or a mediocre witness or a really good witness, but you are being a witness. He said, you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, our lives as Christians are meant to overflow like a spring of eternal life. The eternal life that God's given us is not just to stay inside of us and in our hearts. It's to spring forth from us to others. Jesus was standing talking to the woman at the well that we spent a good bit of time talking about in John chapter 4 in uh, verse 13 and 14. And he said to her, everyone who drinks of this physical literal well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So what God puts in us doesn't just stay there. It ought to grow and it ought to even overflow into the lives of others. Second thing we talked about in this series is simply this, the fact that your life can overflow. Because I, I think we're really prone to think sometimes, well, sure, Billy Graham's life can overflow, or, or this other great Christian's life over here can overflow, but I just don't know about my own. When the reality is God has a goal for each of us as believers that our lives should overflow. It will help us do that if we will, first of all, Take on this identity as Christians. If we'll adopt the picture of a fountain as our identity. In other words, when you see yourself, when you think about yourself as a Christian, think about yourself as a fountain. Get that image in your mind that you're a fountain. And that means something is coming into your life, but something's also supposed to go out of your life to bless others. To try and have that mentality there. We read this verse a moment ago in the English Standard Version. Here's the way the message puts it. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst, not ever. The water I give him will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. He, he wants our lives to overflow. He wants us to... Drink from Him and allow that to impact our lives, but to overflow and to touch the lives of others. And the first step in doing that is to understand that's what God wants. It's to begin to view your life as a Christian as being a fountain, not a pond that holds everything together, not a vacuum that's sucking everything out of the world just for yourself, but by end of the fact that you as a Christian, you're supposed to be a fountain. And then after you adopt that identity, you need to adapt this pattern into your life, this pattern of activity, and the pattern is filling up and overflowing. Jesus in John 7 said, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now let me stop off for a moment. Just to kind of give you a visual image of that. Jesus has some things he wants us to take in to drink. 
Maybe, maybe view this as a, you know, as a huge glance or something. But here, he's got things in his word that he wants me to drink into my life. He, he wants me to take this and continually allow him to fill me. To drink and drink and drink. By the way, that won't happen just on Sunday morning. You need to be daily spending time with God. You know, reading your Bible, praying. Spending time with him. Letting him speak to you. He, he wants to be filling you. He wants you to drink from him. So as he fills you and he continues to fill you, then you can overflow. Because he goes on and said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow fountains of living water. On that Sunday, I camped out a little bit there. And I want to camp out a little bit again. Because I want you to notice what I've underlined. Whoever believes in him. Jesus did not say just the smart people. He, he didn't say just the really, really gifted people, especially gifted people. Jesus didn't say the, the theologically trained people. Jesus simply says, whoever believes in me. So based upon that, if you are a Christian, if you believe in him, Jesus is saying that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say it might happen. He didn't say a possibility. He didn't say maybe. He says this, if you're a believer, you need to be filling up and outflowing because that's what his goal is for your life. For you to drink in so you can... Allow your life to outflow continuously into the lives of others. Third thing we talked about was simply this idea of blessings flowing. The fact that God inflows his blessings into our lives so we can outflow them into the lives of other people. And, and on that Sunday we talked about concerned words or compassionate actions. Because when you think about blessings and, and, and maybe how we try and bless other people. It's one thing to, to tell somebody, well, you know, God bless you, or you know, are you hungry? I, I, you know, I'm going to pray for you. I hope you'll get fed. Or, you know, if you're cold, I, I'm, I'm really going to pray for you. God bless you. You just go and be warm. Because James really speaks to that. He said if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without doing something, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is it? In other words, what benefit is our concerned words? Should we give concerned words to people? Certainly we should. But what good is it if we stop there? The Bible literally tells us if, if we see someone that's got a need and we've got it within our power, within our ability to meet that need, that there's an expectation on our lives from God for us to do what we can to meet that need. Not just speak words of concern, but we need to follow through with, with compassionate actions to where we are trying to meet the needs of that person. Because the truth of the matter is, God has an inflow of blessings that he gives us. That could be proven many times over in the Bible. But in James chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, he said, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. God doesn't even hint that he's going to... It doesn't even cast a shadow that he's changing. So based upon that verse, God gives us good gifts... He blesses us with good gifts, and in turn, we ought to share those. But thank God also, He gives us a perfect gift in His Son that will last forever and ever and ever. 
And we need to be about taking the blessings of God. Good things He gives us, the perfect thing that He's given us in Christ. And we need to be pouring that out into the lives of others, not just retaining it for ourselves. Because He inflows into us so we can outflow the Christian's outflow of blessings. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, He says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, in an humble mind, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were, what does it say? Call, that you may obtain a blessing. If God calls us to be a blessing to other people, that means he expects us to do it. Well, what good is it if we say, I'm a fountain, and if we don't act like a fountain? Well, get easy just to adopt the identity in our mind. God calls me a fountain. And then if we don't act like a fountain, and if we're not allowing the blessings that God puts in us to flow out of us to bless others, we're falling way short of being a fountain. I ask you um, on that Sunday also, do a little practical exercise. How many of you went home and got a jug? I, I said take a big jug, put a little piece of, a little pad of paper beside of it, and as you walk by, anybody actually go home and do that? We had some of the first service do it. Anybody got a glass jug at home yet? You were asleep, weren't you? <laughs> Honestly, try and do that for an exercise for a little while. Get you a big jug or a container. It doesn't have to be a jug, but a container. I like the idea of a big glass jar because you actually see it start to fill up. And every time you walk by it, make yourself stop and think, what kind of way has God blessed me? And then write it down, put it in the container, and you'll be amazed how quick it starts to fill up. Every now and then, say it, dump it out, read over all the blessings God has blessed you with, remind yourself of it, and then also remind yourself of this. God gave you that so you can give it to somebody else. God poured into your life so you can outpour into the life of somebody else. And then we talked about this guy called the water thief, which ultimately is referring to Satan. Jesus said in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, the, that's the goal of, of, of Satan. He wants to come. The purpose of the thief is that he wants to disrupt everything he can in your life. Especially he wants to disrupt the blessings of God. If he can keep the blessings of God out of your life so it's impossible for you to transfer it to somebody else, he will do it. He will try and steal it. He'll try and kill it. He'll try and destroy it from your life. And even if the blessings of God get through to your life, his next goal is to deceive you. Not just to disrupt, but he wants to deceive you. Into thinking, hey, keep it for yourself. No one else is going to take care of you except you. The, the thief comes literally on a continuous basis is the way it's read in the, in the Greek. It's not like Satan gets up one morning and he thinks, I'm going to mess with them today and I'll leave them alone for the next 50 years. <laughs> it's his all the time goal to do everything he can to steal from your life, to kill the things of God in your life, and to destroy things in your life. He wants to be a thief. He wants to rob you of the water that God wants to pour into you, the blessing that God wants to pour into you to keep you from blessing somebody else.
He wants to disrupt it, but like I said a moment ago, he wants to deceive. Jesus said that's who he is. He's a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. In other words, his character is that he's a liar. He speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father of lies. He wants you to believe that your life is all about you. That you need to use all of your resources, all of your talents, all of your time just to make yourself feel good. Just to minister to yourself. Just to take care of yourself. And that is the lie that Satan wants to give us because God's truth is this. I want you to be a fountain. I'm pouring into you so it can flow out of you and bless someone else. That's God's truth that he wants to give us. Because the purpose of Christ was this. While Satan comes to continually steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said... I came, and the word came is the exact same word. Talking about the thief a moment ago that speaks of Satan. Where it meant that all the time, Satan comes all the time trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's his goal all the time in your life. That's his continual, ongoing goal. And he does it in order that his purpose in our lives might be to bless others. God's purpose in a Christian's life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 5, the Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Notice the bold part, the underlined part, who comforts us in all our affliction. So... That we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. All of us have been comforted by God in some way. I mean, if you're wanting to sit there and, and have a pity party this morning and say, as a Christian, say, well, you know, God's not really ever done anything for me. He's not comforted me. If you're a Christian, I want you to think back to a couple of things. He sent his son into this world. He nailed his son on a cross for you. That through faith in him, you can have everlasting life. He has comforted you. If you can't say anything but, I'm comforted today because I know my sins are forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven one day because of what Christ did for me. Hey, that's the supreme comfort. But he's comforted us if we would be honest in so many ways. We can't even enumerate the ways that he has blessed us, the way that he has provided comfort in our lives. Yes, he's comforted us with his salvation, but he's provided emotional comfort for us sometimes. Man, I can't, I really can't get into this right now or anything, but I, I, I kind of had a situation that I'd had to deal with in my heart for months because of maybe, you know, somebody else and, and everything. And I'm not at liberty to share all of it, but yesterday I got a phone call from somebody where I've been really, really wrestling with something in my life, and the person was calling to, uh, to apologize for, for something that happened months ago. And once they did, I realized how much I needed it. Because it just, it was like this huge weight was just gone. So I had an emotional need that God met in my life yesterday by a simple phone call. You've had emotional needs in your life that God's comforted you through. Or physical needs or financial needs. However God has comforted you, He wants you to take that same comfort and turn around and comfort someone else. That's the idea of being this fountain. 
what God put in us, he wants to outflow into the lives of others. What the water thief has stole from your life, the best way you can reach up and slap him in the face is to say, Satan, yeah, you've robbed some things out of my life, you've hurt some things in my life, but guess what? I'm going to let what God puts in my life pour out into the life of someone else and bless someone else. And that's the best way you can punch Satan in the nose for all he's done to you. The last thing we talked about last week was the Judas factor. And the Judas factor focuses around this regrettable truth that we get our values screwed up. We value stuff that's not really important and we minimize the important stuff. And the reason that's called the Judas factor is that's exactly what Judas Iscariot did. Man, he gave kind of like his life was upside down and, and the stuff that should have been really important to him, he just kind of forsook and, and the stuff that wouldn't last, that's what he gravitated toward and what he grabbed hold of. The Judas factor background is simply this. Judas Iscariot had a very fortunate life because he was a disciple and he walked with the disciples. He walked with Jesus. He heard Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw all that stuff. Man, what a fortunate life he had. But the Judas factor also involves not just that background to Judas. There's kind of a lowdown I want to give you about the rest of his life. And the lowdown was simply what I said a moment ago. He decided to live his life for himself. The Bible tells us that one day when this woman had poured out expensive perfume ointment upon Jesus, then one of the twelve, his name was Judas Iscariot, Matthew 26, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. John 12 tells us about when Mary came in. Because if you remember what had happened just before that, Mary's brother Lazarus had been raised from the dead and he's sitting there at the table. <laughs> and Mary comes in with this extravagant act of worship. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii, about a year's worth of wages, and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he chose to help himself to what was put into it. Here's, here's, here's the picture of Judas. Here's why his life was upside down. Here's a picture of how messed up his values were. He had the opportunity to follow God in the flesh, to sit at his feet, to walk with him, to see the miracles and all the ministry. But instead of choosing to value Jesus, God in the flesh... Instead, what he decided to do was this. He decided that taking money out of the treasury was more important than following Jesus. He decided that 30 pieces of silver that he could be paid by the chief priest to betray Jesus, to turn him over, was more valuable than following Jesus. 
Now, I didn't take the time to look and see how much 30 pieces of silver would be worth. doesn't really matter because whatever the value is, is still a bad deal. Let's say the 30 pieces of silver would be worth the double stamp gold coin that I talked about earlier. So let's go 30 times 7.6 million. That's a lot of money. What does it matter if you lose your soul? Because you're not taking it with you. Jesus chose what would be temporary and what ultimately destroyed his life over what was eternal. And the truth of the matter is, as we think about that Judas factor, there's there's still a battleground going on for you and I to decide whether we're going to be a fountain or whether we're going to forfeit our life. Judas decided to forfeit his life. Jesus said this. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, don't be like Judas. Don't put yourself first. And instead, you need to take up your cross daily and you need to follow him. And then Jesus Jesus said, whoever would save his life will lose it. In other words, whoever is trying to just preserve everything they can for their life, whoever is trying to make their life all about themselves, trying to grab everything this world has to offer, he said, you'll lose it in the end. But whoever loses his life or gives your life away for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? If he gets everything the world could ever offer, what does it profit him if he gains that? In some translations say loses his soul. The translation I'm reading today because of when you look at the words in the Greek talks about forfeiting yourself or your life. You not only can lose your soul if you're not a Christian, if you make your life all about yourself, you can ultimately lose your soul and spend eternity in a place called hell when you die. But even as a Christian, if we're not careful, we can do this. We can forfeit our life. We can waste the opportunity that God has given us in our lives to be a fountain and just make our lives all about ourselves. We can waste our life and all the opportunity that God's given us to, to bless others, to reach them, to touch their lives. Or we can make it about ourselves. And you see, you're going to lose that because even if you had 30 times 7.6 million, you're not taking it with you. And you're not going to use it to buy your way out of a place called hell. The only thing that will last... Is what we do for Jesus. The only thing we can pay forward into eternity is the things we do for Jesus by being a fountain for Him. So, the reason I reviewed all that, like I said, this week is because those of you who are in our small groups will be reading those five topics. And the first time you have your official meeting next week, that's what you'll discuss and talk about. And I'll be honest with you, I think those are very, very, very important topics. As you read this week in the book, that's something you you need to really let sink into your heart. 
And another reason I've gone back over all the things we've talked about for five weeks is that I, I truly hope that you're ready to outflow. I hope God's given you a wake-up call and me a wake-up call and our church a wake-up call to understand our lives are not about ourselves. If you're really ready to outflow, one way to start on that journey is to go out there in just a moment and sign up for a small group or whatever one fits your schedule. We've got a couple that are meeting on Sunday nights. We've got one on, on Tuesday night. We've got one that flip-flops Tuesday and Wednesday nights because uh, they're involved in like public service, law enforcement, and things like that. Their schedules change. So they kind of change theirs around as, as they need to. Uh, I, I teach one on, on Thursday nights. Uh, and if you want to sign up and get started this week, you need to go sign up for those. I'm also going to teach one starting Saturdays on March the 1st, but it's a motorcycle ministry group that I'll be teaching. So if you want to be part of that, just go buy a motorcycle between now and then. <laughs> and already some guys looking at their wife saying, See there? See? See? <laughs> yeah, there's already an argument going on at the front. And I hope also you'll do this. I hope all we've been talking about and reviewing it today, I hope, I hope when you hear some of these invasion outflow events that we're going to plan, please sign up, please volunteer, please help. Please be part of pouring your life into others. Be a fountain for others. Because the truth of the matter is, even though Satan doesn't want you to believe it, the truth of the matter is you can't experience outflow in your life. Your life can outflow. God wants it to. He, he's designed it so you being a believer, he wants to pour into your life so you can pour out to others. Blessings from God flow into your life so you can turn around and flow them out of your life to touch others. We can actually take back what the water thief has robbed. I'll be honest with you. I've allowed him to steal a lot of things out of my life I wish I had not. Will you be honest? Is that true in your life too? Have you allowed the thief to steal some things, to kill some things, to destroy some things? You want to take it back? Outflow for Jesus. We can avoid the Judas factor if we'll just do this, if we'll follow Jesus instead of that Judas attitude. Jesus poured his life out. That's what we need to do instead of making our lives all about ourselves. We can decide to buy into all of this and ask God to more invade our hearts and ask God to use us to invade our family and our friends and ask God to use us to invade our community and to invade our world. God wants to do it. All he wants us to be is empty vessels that he can fill and use to accomplish his goals. Let's pray. Lord, I, Lord, I want to come before you and pray for our small groups that are preparing to start. I pray you'll bless that ministry in our church. I pray you'll increase it. 
I pray during this semester that we can identify new small group leaders so we can multiply our small groups and multiply the impact that you want to make in the lives of others as we try and disciple each other. Father, I pray for the for that dinner that's going to take place tonight. Because that dinner is not just about sweethearts. That dinner is about loving you and loving people in Guatemala. And Father, I, I pray that after the service is over with, that people will go out and buy enough tickets. They have to go buy extra food. So we can impact lives in a greater way in Guatemala this summer. Lord, help us as believers to, to view ourselves as a fountain, to buy into that image, and not just the image, but for us to literally act like a fountain. And you fill us and, and, and help us to outflow into a world and bless others. And God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, if there's someone here that's never said yes to Jesus... Lord, I pray right now you'll give them the faith that they need. That, that you'll help them to be honest with themselves and honest with you and admit that they've sinned and admit that they can't fix it themselves. And God, give them the faith they need right now to say yes to Jesus and trust Him. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.